So my guest this week is Stephanie Muneer. Uh, Stephanie wants women in business to have the financial knowledge they need to run an efficient and enjoyable business. She is a chartered accountant, has over 10 years experience in accounting experience, so she absolutely knows what she's talking about here. She says that finances are the heart of your business and money is the blood. We need the heart to be healthy and the blood to keep flowing in order to be able to achieve goals and the reason you got into business in the first place. And what I really like about Stephanie's approach to financials and running businesses is that she combines getting to know your numbers as well as abundant mindset training. So Stephanie, welcome to Women in Confidence. Thanks for being here today. Thanks so much for having me, Vanessa. Great. And I know- Thank you. And where are you today? Because I do like to um, just point out to all my audience that we are a global family. Yes, I'm in Elstonwick in Melbourne, Victoria. Yeah. So I think actually you're my nearest guest I've ever had because you are, I want to say, 10 kilometers away from me. So we are absolutely neighbors. I would say we live in the same sort of area. So how I like to start my podcast, Stephanie, is asking this question. So what does confidence mean? mean to you? So confidence means feeling good within yourself. It's really um, getting up in the morning and believing that what you're doing is true to who you are and creating a world that you want to see. And do you think where you are right now running your business is being true to who you are? I feel so blessed that I have found my purpose in life. It's something that I searched for for a very, very long time. And I always had this little inkling that accounting, I just had to keep going with it, even though it didn't feel quite right. And then I finally found this version of my business and went, oh, this is what I've been searching for for such a long time. And that's such a long time. What was going on at that time for you to get to this point today where you're like, I've absolutely found my purpose? Well, when I was working in accounting firms, it was really all about pushing and striving and profits and perfection. And that doesn't really correlate with human, being a human really at all. Um, And so there was that disconnect. I loved the accounting part and I loved the business part. I always found that really, really interesting. And I was always really good at accounting, but I felt like I had to be the accountant, Stephanie. And then I also had a personal Stephanie and those two had to be completely separate. And anytime you're trying to separate things in life completely, I think there's always going to be conflict and it just creates discomfort. And yeah, so I was just feeling really uncomfortable. I was feeling not good enough. And it got to a point where I got burnt out. Mm. I think many of my listeners will really take what you've just said there and it resonate with them about in work, you're one person you know, you're an accountant, you're a HR director, you're whatever it is, it doesn't really matter. But then externally, you're somebody completely different. And sometimes they are, they rub up against each other. There's not a natural link to it. And I think if anything, COVID has probably brought some of that and the lockdowns has brought some of that together because you can't escape life and your personal and your, your personality and also then your work. And, and when did the two combine? So you're, accounting, Stephanie versus where you really, really sort of thrived. And that was, you know, your true self. Well, I, after being in accounting for a while, I tried different firms. I tried lots of different versions of accounting. And then one day I went, I can't, well, this was after um, my breakdown. I had a breakdown when I was working at the last firm I was at. And after that, I went, I just can't do this anymore. This is not who I came here to be. 
this is not the life that I came here to live and I'm changing that and I get to, I'm in control of it. I, you know, get to make those choices. And one of those choices I made was that I can't be the only person in the world who feels that my professional version of me needs to be able to combine with my personal version of me. And I started seeing, um, you know, other people doing similar things. Like one person who was a real motivator and inspiration to me was Marie Folio, who I loved that she'd created this really incredible business, but she also was talking about spiritual topics. She was being true to herself. She was, you know, dancing and singing, well, maybe not singing, I don't think she sings, but you know, doing all of these other things as well. So she was creative as well as um, logical and she brought those two together. And I thought, why aren't I doing something like that? Mm. So, yeah, it was just, it was almost out of um, a need. Like it was, I had to do something different or I, I just wouldn't be able to keep going. So I felt like it was this or nothing. And when you became, and when you started looking at, say, Maria Folio and realizing there was, you needed to do something else, did you have to get permission? Like, I mean, did you have to seek permission from yourself, or how did that come about that you were like, right, I'm going to be different now? Um, yes, is the short answer to that. I did. I didn't need get to get permission from myself because I was really in a place at the time where I was doing a lot spiritually. I was working on that element of myself. I was meditating a lot and I was really connected into the essence of who I was. And so that when I found the answer that I was looking for, it was so, it resonated so well inside of me that there was no other answer, but yes. The difficult part though was the getting it out there to the rest of the world. So the most difficult part I found was with my colleagues. So I have one of my best friends, an accountant as well, and we spend lots, you know, we used to spend a lot of time talking about accounting and our careers and, you know, we were our each other's go-to for that. And I felt like I was being weird basically by wanting to create this business and by not following that traditional route that accountants do. I felt out of place. I felt like everybody would think that I wasn't a real accountant. Um, yeah, so it was it was really difficult in that professional space was where I found the most difficult. Uh, when, when it came to clients, when I started attracting those clients and started telling people about it, it was, you know, that was something that everybody had been looking for. So that was the reassurance I needed to keep on going because people were like, oh, yes, please, please do this. Um, but it was, yeah, it was the colleagues where it was more difficult. Um, and how I got around that was for ages, I didn't post on LinkedIn. It was my space where I knew all of them were and probably not even looking to be honest, but it was my scary space. And then I got somebody to help me with my social media and she just started posting on LinkedIn. And cause I was never on there. I just didn't even think about it for ages. And then I suddenly went, Oh, they're all seeing this stuff. And it was fine. I was okay. Mm -hmm. So do you think with the LinkedIn and being visible about your different, I know you use that in inverted commas approach to accounting, do you feel that was a genuine fear or just something that you, a story you'd made up in your head around actually these people who are, you know, accountants are going to view me in a different way? Was, was it genuine? Oh, it was definitely not genuine. It was silly, completely silly. Um, I know that 
you know, that friend of mine that I was talking about, he is in partnership with another guy that I used to work for. And I know that they looked at what I was doing a little bit and thought, oh, you could be so much further along in your career if you'd gone down this route instead. And that route was the severe unhappiness route, which obviously who wants that? Um, but then I had another friend and he's like a tax expert, very much traditional accountant kind of one. And we would talk about it and he'd be like, you know, I giggle about it sometimes because you talk about goals and things. And I'm like, yeah, that's okay. Cause you're not my target audience. And he was like, no, I know. And I think it's great that you're doing what you're doing because it is right for those people that you're attracting. And so he sort of was that reassurance that I needed to be like, I don't need your approval because you're not who needs this. So if you need this, you will resonate with what I'm saying. And if you don't resonate with it, that's cool. And you're probably not even going to see it. Whilst you were talking about the friends who were saying, if you'd be further along in your career, if you'd done the traditional uh, accounting career path or what is deemed to be the right trajectory for an accountant, it made me think about success and the definition of success and people putting their view of success onto other people. I mean, in your view, what does success mean to you? Well, success is the same as my mission statement for my business. And that is creating a highly successful business that's integrated with a beautiful life. It's not about making loads of money and not being happy. It to me, and this can change for everybody, like the exact inputs and outputs of what that looks like. But to me, it is having an abundant life. So that means, you know, enough money to support whatever it is that you want to have, but also being joyful in um, executing that work and wanting to get up every morning and be a part of that life that you're creating. And also having time to do the things that you love. So that might be to spending time with your children. It might be having time to exercise every day. It might be, you know, having days where you work at home, all of the different like types of activities is irrelevant. It's what brings you joy. So making sure that every day includes joy. And we're just going to talk about your breakdown for a little while because you mentioned it and I don't necessarily want to go into the details and unearth some sort of emotions from that. But do you feel that you had to go through that breakdown in order to then be like, right, Stephanie, we're going to do a different approach. Yes, I think so. I think that, you know, that hitting rock bottom is the place where you recreate yourself. There's this really beautiful sort of poem that Rebecca Campbell has written. And she talks about in it, she sort of writes this letter to herself or to anybody who's listening And it says that I hope that you break apart and I hope that when you hit the bottom, it's not actually the bottom and you break a little bit more and you go down further into yourself. And then when you come out, you're this beautiful new version of who you want to be and it's the raw and true version of you. The breakdown created a knowing inside of me that I don't think would have been there And this confidence to say, I have to do this. Whereas before that, it was, it would be nice to do this. This is what I'd like to do. But there wasn't that driving force behind it being that was saying to me, well, what's the other option? Like, do you want to be in your depths of despair? Do you want to feel the worst that you've ever felt ever again? 
And if the answer to that is no, then you have to take this route. You have to try. You have to create this life that you've been wanting to create. So, yeah, I think it was the building blocks. It was the foundation that I needed. It was the reminder that I needed. And it was and still is the motivation. And when in the lead up to you having the breakdown, what was showing up to you sort of like mentally and physically and spiritually, emotionally, what was showing up at that time that perhaps now you've got the distance from it? You could be like, oh yeah, the signs were so there. I just needed to go through that painful experience. Other signs were 100% there. They were there for a long time. So I started a new job and it was only three months into that job that I had the breakdown. And this was my dream job. It was working for this guy who I had so much respect for, still have lots of respect for. Um, Professionally and technically, he's really, really fantastic at what he does. But the way that he worked was everything was due yesterday. So everything was a priority. And I would go into workflow meetings going, so which I can't do all of this in the next week. So what one do I focus on? Like what is actually the most important? And he would say things like all of them are. And that's not how I work. And I know that some people it's helpful to have a bit of a push behind them to say, you know, you have to work hard. Whereas for me, I want to do well. So I'm already thinking I'm not doing enough. So to have somebody else say, yeah, you aren't doing enough was you know, just backbreaking basically for me. But the signs that I saw was not only that feeling of not good enough that was getting louder and louder and louder. It was also things like, well, one thing that my friend said to me, actually, he was like, you stopped walking the dogs in the morning. You always walk the dogs. You love walking the dogs and you stopped doing that. And he was like, I should have known. And I was like, you didn't need to know that. Um, but I should have known that as well. Um, and now I do know that I do see that as soon as I start going, Oh, I don't want to get out of bed in the mornings. I go, right. You've got to make a change. You've got to do some things differently to make sure that you don't get in that place again. The other thing that was happening was I was drinking a lot. So it got to the weekend and I was like, right, let's get fucked up because I can't deal with all of the emotions and all of the feelings that are inside of me right now. So I'm going to, the only way I can, get away from that at the moment, it felt like was by drinking a lot, partying a lot with my friends so that I was in a state where I wasn't thinking about anything to do with work. I wasn't thinking about anything to do with how good I was feeling. And I would do other things that would, you know, a sort of surface level feel good things like get dressed up so that people would give me compliments to say how good I was looking so that, you know, I could try and combat that inner feeling of unworth with an outer band-aid essentially. And then you went through the breakdown and how long was, do you feel it took you then to get to where you are now? So that breakdown happened in 2015 in July and I had a month off and I also got fired at the same time, which wasn't the greatest timing, but also when looking back on it, it was really what I needed to have happen. And then the guy who I was working for came to me and said, what do you want to do? Do you want to come back full time? Do you want to come back part time? Do you want to come back casual? Do you want to do your own thing? Do you want to be a contractor? What do you want to do? And I said, well, I want to do my own thing. So I went out and I got started on creating my business. And when I started doing it, I had the intention to do it my way. So I was going to have this logo that really represented who I was. 
do the work that I really enjoy doing, all of these things. And then about maybe a month into that, I met a potential client and she was sort of also trying to guide me through creating a new business. And what she said was, oh, do you really want to do it like that though? And then in my other ear, I had, you know, my the colleagues that I used to work for going, oh, it's not really very accounting though, is it? Like, so I had these this noise around me that was saying, don't do it. And because my confidence levels were so low, I said, you're absolutely right. I'm, you, I can't do this. So I ended up creating, and it's just like, it seems like a silly little thing, but I created a logo that didn't truly represent me. And it was sort of the visual representation of exactly what I was doing in the business. So this logo that had started and really did represent who I was and who I wanted to be I scrapped that and I went with this other logo that was really not me. It was a lot more masculine. It was a lot less about me and more about a brand. And that brand that I was creating was not what I wanted to do. So I continued through that. I basically um, I recreated an accounting firm that I left because I didn't like and I was unhappy again and I found myself falling again and I went, what am I doing you know, I've just been through this and I know that I don't want this. So why am I recreating this? So I think it was about 12 months into that. I stopped everything. I stopped the projects I was working on. I cut everything down to a bare minimum. So it was just enough for me to live. And I went, right, I've got six months and I need to figure out what it is that I actually want to do because this is not what I want to do. So from there, I then went, I'm going to give accounting one more go. So at that stage, I had been doing integrations, which was setting up zero files and integrating them with different software. And I was also focusing on doing some compliance work. So accounting, preparing financial statements and doing tax returns, which I never liked doing. And I went, you know what, I'm going to try the one last piece of accounting that I've never tried. And that is on the financial controller side of the business. I love business. I think that this could be a really good thing for me. And it's more of a focus on one client at a time rather than having so many going on all the time. So I actually started looking for jobs and I was looking for jobs uh, for about maybe three months. And this was, it was around October, November. So I was looking for the jobs and then I was getting really defeated because I wasn't getting calls back from some jobs. One person I'd gone to two interviews with and they were just stalling. Then I just said to myself, you know what? It's November. Nobody is going to hire you in November in an accounting firm or in any capacity in offices, really, because it's about to be Christmas. Mm -hmm. So I'm putting this aside. I'm not worrying about this again until everybody comes back from Christmas. You know, the day that I would normally come back from holidays, that's the day I'm allowed to worry about it again. I had already set out what it is that I wanted out of the job. So I wanted it to be part-time. I wanted to earn a certain amount of money. And there was something else on the list. And I think it was good people. I wanted to work with good people. And I had that on my wall in my bedroom. So every time I walked past it, I could see it. And I, sometimes I would say, oh, but how? And I said, that's not your problem. That's actually the universe's problem. So you just need to remember what it is that you want. And then every time it came up and I went, oh, but when am I going to get a job? during that period where I said, nope, I'm not thinking about it. And I would literally take that thought and go, thank you. 
not my problem until I think it was like the 6th of January. That's the day you're allowed to worry about it from then on. It was on the 6th of January, this guy that I used to work for called me and said, hey, Stephanie, I've got this client who I think that, you know, you guys would work really well together. So I went in the next day, had an interview. It was to be the financial controller of this business. It was on a contracting basis. That client's still my client today. And it was the perfect role for me. And it was in that space of cash flow management and really helping the business through a really tricky time. So I spent uh, the first two years working full-time with them. And then I cut that down to part-time and then started getting other clients. So this exact version of my business has really only been around for the last two years or two and a half years now. But it sort of started getting in the making in 2017 in January, probably about the 6th of January, 2017 to be exact. And so from that experience, and it sounds like you man like a pure example of manifestation. So you're like, put your intention out there to the universe or whatever anybody believes in and let it happen. And I think that stepping back and saying, look, this is what I want, but how? Because sometimes, but I don't even know sometimes how things, how I'm going to achieve things. But actually, if I'm at peace with that, and I've put my intention out and I'm very clear. Is that why, having gone through that experience, is that why now you also have, you know, the abundance mindset and perhaps talk a bit more about manifestations in your work? Yeah, definitely. One, the biggest reason for it is it works. And when I was even working with that client, so they were definitely not into manifesting and all that kind of stuff. But what we would do is we would have a clear goal because we had this um, financial obligation to me. And I would say to the client, Hey, you need to do this in this amount of time. And I don't exactly know how you're going to do it, but this is what I need from you. And then he would go away and do it, which is essentially, you know, an element of manifesting where you go, this is my clear, um, output that I want to find. I'm going to leave the how up to whatever happens, you know, in the making of the customers and then it will all fall into place. And it did every single time that we just went, yes, there's a clear outcome. And the business owner would always say to me, Stephanie, I can't do that. And I'd say, I think that you can. I believe that you can. And so I was that reminder to have confidence in himself. And I was the one setting that target, but he was the one doing that manifesting. So that was a part of it was because, you know, we call it tar- setting targets and, you know, meeting those targets and having KPIs and all this kind of stuff when you're in business. But really, it's just a version of manifesting. So, yeah, so that was part of the reason why. And it was also because I've been really on a strong spiritual journey over the last five years. And I just kept seeing it happen every time, you know, for one thing was that experience when I got that job and I got that client. But it was also other times when, you know, there was another time when I felt like I needed a teacher, I wanted somebody to come into my life because I needed some more help. And it was especially in the area of the feminine energy. And I was listening to a book one day and I was driving out to this client's and, you know, she was in the book talking about this really synchronistic experience that she'd had and how everything just fell into place. And in the car, I was like, I want that to happen to me. Why is this not happening to me? And I was like, I don't want this crap where you're like, oh, it's kind of seems like this is the path you should go down. I want a really, really clear sign. This is what I need to do. This is the person I need to work with. This is how it needs to happen. 
then that afternoon, I actually was doing my first class at a new yoga studio and I did a class. So it was a class I'd never done before. And I went to this class and it was a time when I normally wouldn't go as well. But for some reason, I just decided to go early that day. And I went to this class and there was this woman teaching it. And she, I just thought in my head, I wonder if she's my teacher. And then the next day I went to another class and on the wall, as I walked in, which as you walk in, by the way, to this yoga studio, you walk up these stairs and it says stairway to heaven. And it's got this beautiful um, fountain running with hands and it's gorgeous. And then on the mirror, it said feminine embodiment course. And it was this perfect course, exactly what I needed. And I went, oh, okay, thank you. (laughs) It does happen. So I've had experiences like that where when I stop relying on myself and start relying on something that's bigger than me, it's just so much easier. Life becomes effortless. And that's what I've been searching for, for a long time in my life. And to turn away from that, it just doesn't make sense to me. And also I want other people to experience that effortless effortlessness in their lives. But I think making things effortless, I can't say it, effortless, <laughs> is is really tricky to do because we're programmed to do, to act, to achieve, to be hardworking. You know, I remember, you know, throughout school, throughout you know, my early careers, it was like hard work achieves results. And so allowing things to just take their natural course and stepping away and, and relaxing at how can you help people who are listening think, well, that's what I want to do, but I can't because I'm so wired to do. How can I just allow things to happen to me? It is tricky. And don't get me wrong. It's, I go through phases and sometimes it's so easy to just be in the flow of life. And then other times I get into that, just so many thoughts going on in my head but I do have tools. So the first thing is making sure you do have a toolbox that you can rely on. And one thing I love to do, and I love to encourage people to do is to write a list of those things because it all starts with feeling good. So that's your number one priority. If you can make your number one priority every single day to feel good, you will be able to find that flow and that effortlessness. So that is my number one priority every day. So even if I'm feeling crappy, even if I've got a million thoughts running through my head, and this happened to me in the last month, I had a couple of weeks where I was just so wired. I was really struggling with finding that feel good vibe inside of myself. But what I did every morning is I got up and some mornings I didn't want to get out of bed because I was like, I don't care. I don't want to do any of it anymore. And then I would get out of bed. I might be a bit later, but I would still go, right, what is it that I need today that's going to help me feel better? For me, going for a walk in the morning always is really helpful. So I would go for a walk. I was struggling to get myself to get to the gym, so I didn't do that as much. I was struggling to, I usually go for a swim in the bay as well. I was struggling to do that, but I at least got up and went for a walk every day. And when I was walking, I listened to something that was helpful, that was going to boost my mindset rather than take it down. So I was listening to different podcasts that, you know, A Course in Miracles has been a real guidance for me um, through my spiritual journey and especially a big focus of mine at the moment. So I was listening to podcasts about that. I always listen to affirmations and affirmations are so helpful because you don't have to do anything. 
I love to have things on that list where it's, you don't actually have to do anything. So you don't have to be like, oh, I have to go to the gym and find an hour and get ready and all of those things. To listen to affirmations, you have to have your phone and turn it on. That's all you have to do. So it's the little things that create the big change. The other thing to get into that flow is to find whatever it is that you believe in to create that faith. It doesn't have to, it could be the universe, it could be God, it could be any number of any other gods, it could be something that you call source, you could call it energies, you could call it mother nature, it does not matter what name it is, it's having the faith that there's something that creates connections and relationships and change in different things in the world that we live in that is not you. So it's not all dependent on you. And when we can take away that responsibility from our shoulders and put that responsibility on something else's shoulders, that's where you can really find relief in that responsibility. And then once you've found that faith in whatever it might be, something that I do a lot is You know, so in that two week period where I was feeling really awful, one of the reasons was I had so much work on, which is wonderful. And I was trying to be really grateful for that because it is wonderful. And I love the work that I do. But at the same time, I was really struggling to go understand how I was going to get it all done. So what I did, my first step always is, is what's the worst that's going to happen? What is the actual worst case scenario? And is it really that bad? So in that scenario, I went, okay, well, the worst that's going to happen is I'm going to lose some clients. And the clients that I would lose are the ones who I don't really see in my future anyway. Um, It's not because, you know, I still really enjoy the work I do for them. I really love those clients still, but it's not exactly the type of business that is promoting what I believe we want to promote in the world. And I went, you know what, that's going to be okay. And they are big clients to me. So if I do lose them, yeah, it's going to suck. But Worst case scenario, I'm just going to have to go and get a part-time job. So it's going to be okay. The next thing is just believing that it will work out. So it's the same as when that piece of paper was sitting on my bedroom wall and going, I don't need to know the how of this. I just need to believe it will work out. And so for me, I was saying, yes, I have a lot on, but it is all going to work out because it always does. It's always working out for me and it's always working out for everybody And if you go through every experience in your life, even the worst of the experiences that you've ever been through, it always works out in the end. You always are okay in the end. So it's remembering that. And the last one is, if I worry about this, is this going to change the outcome? So, you know, sometimes if I'm running late, which I'm very good at running late, If I'm running late, I go, if I worry or stress or try and do this faster, is it actually going to change the outcome? Am I actually going to get there any faster? The answer is always no. Worrying does not get you anywhere that you need to be. So I then choose not to worry. And it's literally a choice where you go, okay, I notice my thoughts. I'm starting to worry about this thing again. Is this helpful? No, it's not. I'm going to shift my thoughts over to something else that is helpful. And it might be something like in my example where I felt like I had so much going on, something helpful was sitting down and writing a list and going, okay, what is the priority? Which one do I choose? What I like to do is basically combine that um, mindset piece and what you're doing in your thoughts with practical actions. I think 
you know, there is a lot of teaching in that mindset, in that manifestation space of basically saying, you don't have to do anything. It'll all happen for you. And it's absolutely true. If you can believe that, you know, you're going to have that mansion that you've always dreamed of and you can believe it to your very core of your spirit, it absolutely will happen without you doing anything. But most of us can't believe that. So we need to take actions towards it at the same time. So we are changing our physical energy whilst we are changing our thoughts. And when we do that, we end up combining where we're at and it becomes this space where you've got cleaner energy, you're taking action, you're moving through any negative energy and your thoughts are coming with you on that journey. So you've got, you talked about a lot of stuff there that I want to just focus on. And one of them is about affirmations. And we spoke about this when we last um, met. Do you have your own affirmations or do you source them from, I mean, there's so many on YouTube mm. or wherever else, Spotify probably and all those, but do you write your own? I do. I, well, I do a combination. I do have a playlist on Spotify that I listen to when I want to listen to Spotify. I also create my own and I've created one specifically for women in business and which is a combination of believing that we can be successful, believing we're deserving and creating more abundance, calling in more clients. And that's actually a free download that you can get by my website as well. So then also I write them down. So I love, I absolutely love to write. So getting a pen and piece of paper and just writing it down is really, really powerful for me. It depends on how you learn. I know there's um, different ways of learning. Some people via audio, some people are visual. There's other ones that I don't really know about this stuff. But for me, I am not the greatest with audio. If I know it well, it's helpful for me. But writing something down and seeing something is the most powerful way that I can learn and the most powerful way I can change how I'm thinking. I remember when we last spoke, you were talking about when you become aware of perhaps negative feelings or some emotions coming up, you you use your affirmations as a circuit breaker. And I think you said, you know, you, it only takes two, three minutes for you to then take your focus away from your negative thoughts and emotions and then almost rewire them having listened to your affirmations is that something that you still do you're like okay I can feel something negative coming up I'm just going to step away absolutely I absolutely do that's where you know affirmations are in my toolbox so when I talk about my toolbox it's literally a list of things that I can do if I'm not feeling great I don't have it like I had it literally written down for a lot of years now it's not because it's so well known I don't actually have the list written down I know all of the things I can do and affirmations absolutely is. And like I was saying earlier, the reason for that is it's something that I can do without hardly doing anything. So I don't have to stop working to be able to listen to the affirmations. I don't have to, you know, if I'm rushing in the morning and need to get to work, I can listen to them whilst I'm in the shower. I can listen to them whilst I'm getting to work. That's why I find them so helpful. There's also, you know, other things. So things like applying essential oils is something that I love to do as well, because it's again, an, another circuit breaker where you're, you're just stopping all of these repetitive thoughts that are happening and we're changing them. And if that change is as simple as, oh, that smells nice, is that's a more positive thought. And we've circuit break it. We've done a circuit break there and we've changed one thought to be more positive one thought to focus on the beauty of life. And that's really where joy comes from is beauty. If we can find that joy and beauty in the things that we do, 
every day in every moment, we're going to be so joyful and so happy. It's not about changing the things that you do. It's changing the way that you see those things. That piece around um, the affirmations or just the reminders, whether it's a nice smell, I, I have probably must drive my family mad. I have posted all over the house, really, all these little things, just like visual reminders. So, you know, I can sit at my desk and see something is around what am I going to achieve today? And so I can go through that mental list. And if I find myself distracted, I can just look up and see it. When I wake up, I've got another message literally within my eyesight. So I said that when I'm drying my hair, I've got another message. And so it's just, it's, it's not necessarily that I'm conscious of them, but there's, they're going in as I'm blue drying my hair. I'm like, okay, so this is what is happening for me today. And this is re really focusing my thoughts for the day. And I think that's, that's been really helpful for me and just these visual reminders everywhere. So I can't escape them. And also I hope that my family's also absorbing those because they're seeing them on a regular basis and they might not be aware of it, but you know, I will achieve today. I will do this today. This is who you are, Vanessa. They're picking that up as well. And I don't know who knows what will happen to a 13 year old girl who's seeing her mum's messages. But I think it's really powerful because it has changed my mindset hugely just by having these reminders on a daily basis. And so um, there's people who, you know, do actually write on mirrors, you know, you are worth it. Um, you are, um, what's the other one I heard yesterday? Um, you are more than enough or something like that. And I think they're really, really powerful messages. So the two worlds of accounting, which is for me, and this is my view of it, it's, it's, it's quite a sort of sterile, it's right or wrong uh, versus perhaps your more spiritual side and your abundant side. How do these really combine in a very practical way? So they have to combine in the sense that if you don't have the confidence to execute a strategy, which is the accounting side is the strategy, but the confidence is that mindset piece. If you don't have that confidence to execute the strategy, it's just not going to happen. So whether or not other accountants want to call it mindset or not, if they're advising their clients, that is part of advising them. And, you know, 90% of accountants that I know would say, you know, I'm a bit of a counselor to my clients as well. And that's because you're trying to encourage them to create that confidence. It's just that they're not using the same language mm. is first thing. But practically, how does it work? So, for example, when you work with me via the six-week coaching series that I have, we go through and we create a forecast or a financial, I like to call it a financial strategy for the business, which is basically saying, if I earn this amount of income and this is how I'm going to earn it because these are the different offers I want to give to my clients and these are different services and products I want to provide, then I'm going to invest my money in these different ways in the business. And some of those might be with employees, some would be, you know, subscription costs, all of those sorts of things, as well as that means I'm going to end up with this amount of money and that portion of, and a portion of that's going to go to the tax office so that we can support the communities that we live in. So that's the practical side of it. But as we work through that practical side, what we're doing is understanding what makes you feel good. So when we're creating those offers and understanding, okay, so for example, um, it might be somebody who is doing consulting, but they also want to create a membership. So they might know that there's elements of that consulting work that they do enjoy, 
but really their, you know, the belly bubbling joy that they get is from that membership. So that's where they want to really put that energy. And the consulting piece is a means to support the building of that membership rather than the focus of it, of the business. So when we're, you know, we're basically following the joy through the business as well. Then when we're looking at the expenses, we're doing a similar kind of thing of going, okay, well, you know, do you, for me, for example, I love my office so much. When I first got it, I was a bit worried about the expense because I was like, oh, you know, it's a step up and, you know, can I support that in my business or can't I? But I come here every day and I love it so much. I have this beautiful tree outside that's blooming at the moment and the sun comes in and it's just incredible. And it brings me so much joy and I'm so much more focused every time I'm in my office. So for me, that expense is a joyful expense. So it's something I do want to invest in. I also love having a team. So I have invested in having a bookkeeper on my team. So it's those sorts of things. Whereas for other people, there might be somebody who goes, you know, I just find it really stressful um, managing somebody else. So having another employee in my business is just not something I want to do. Um, I want to build a business that means I don't really need to have that. I want to have something that I can just do on my own and it sort of runs itself. So we're really just following the joy from an income perspective as well as an expense perspective. The other thing I do then is combine into that is mindset and money practices. So that's creating practices that remind you of who you want to be and who you truly are. So I always create affirmation practices for my clients as well as EFT tapping as well as empowerment meditations. And I encourage them to do at least one every single day. And I know that life always gets in the way. So I never expect that anybody's ever, I mean, it would be dream if they did, but I don't actually expect anybody to sit down and meditate every single day for a long period of time because, you know, it's tough to get that time in. But what they can do is something every single day that is supporting that abundance journey, that's supporting them becoming more abundant believing in themselves more because when you've got that focus on creating that change, it doesn't have to be big steps that you're taking towards it. It's just, again, your intention is always clearly that I am becoming a more abundant person. Yeah. Beautiful. And I really like what you were saying about, particularly with expenses, find the joy, find that what um, brings you joy. And so Mm. for you, it's your office. For other people, it might be giving back to the community, what it, it doesn't really matter what it is, but I, I really like that approach to it. And it's, that is a mindset because some people probably me included think expenses are terrifying or annoying, but actually I love that you said following mm. the joy of expenses because it just, yeah, I love it. I'm going to, I'm going to start doing that. So thank you. And even changing the word from expense or spend to invest. Yeah. Because when you're investing in something, you're going, Oh yeah, I'm creating my future or I'm, I'm investing something to create something else. It's a cause and effect then rather than a lack around the word. There's this great book and I can't remember who it's by. I don't think I've got it here. Uh, it's, it's Sorry, it's Ken Honda. It's called Happy Money and he talks about the energy of money. And in that book, he talks about exactly that of it doesn't matter what you're using your money for or where it's coming from, it will have a different energy depending on how it makes you feel. So obviously if you're stealing money, that's not going to have good energy around it. But if you are receiving money from your job and you absolutely love that job, 
it's going to have a beautiful, wonderful energy. If you're receiving money from a job and you absolutely hate that job, it's not going to have a good energy. So it's understanding where you want to create and cultivate more energy because what you focus on um, persists and intensifies. So if you're focused on the things that you love, then you're going to create more of that. I really like what you said, because one of my goal, one of my, well, it's not a goal. It's one of my key needs in life is to have fun. Like it's so essential. So any money that comes in, if I'm having fun doing it and fun is very, you know, is, is my view of fun, we'll have good energy and we'll, we'll be then invested or spent with the same energy going in that direction you know, I've just, I've just resigned from a job that perhaps wasn't a lot of fun, but I can see that now is that my life has felt really tricky for a few years because I've been earning money that hasn't been created through fun at all. It's been hard work, mm. to be honest, the, a really good takeaway for me. I'm, you know, regardless of um, people who are listening for me, that's a great takeaway is mm. money and the coming in. If earned through something that gives you joy, fun, whatever your value is, then it's, it's definitely going to be easier for Mm, you. Definitely. I also just want to add on that is Mm. it's not always. So I want to tell you a little bit of an experience of mine in that it's not always as straightforward as going, this is not bringing me joy. So it's not right for me and cutting Mm. it out. Cause that's quite a lot of rejection around that approach. So we want to stay away from rejection and attachment as much as possible. But an example of that was I had a client um, and have a client actually. And when I moved to Melbourne, so I was living in Canberra, when I moved to Melbourne, it was a bit of a tricky transition and I found it really difficult. He was complaining a lot. He was complaining to his external accountant who I know a lot and they were coming to me and saying, this is not working, what's going on? And it was just a lot of it felt awful. And so the work that I was doing around that wasn't feeling good at all. And I was thinking about it a lot going, I feel like I just need to get out of here. Like, I think that we need to cut ties. It's not feeling good. I've just got to put up that boundary and say, no more, I'm done. But there was this part inside of me that kept saying, oh, but you've been through so much with these people. Are you sure that that's actually what you want to do? And what I realized was there was actually a real opportunity for me to learn and grow as a leader and as a communicator and as a business owner, rather than to cut off that tie and just say, no, I'm done. So what I actually realized was that I, what he wanted was to be heard more. And what he wanted was to feel like I was still just as invested as I was when I was in Canberra. And so I now every single week call him. And that has completely changed the relationship. He doesn't complain anymore. He doesn't, yeah, it, everything about the relationship works perfectly. And some weeks I will call him and say, hey, how are you going? And he'll say, is everything going okay, Stephanie? And I'll say, yep, everything's under control. Everything's all good. And he'll go, cool, okay, great. And that's the end of the conversation, basically. It's just he needs that connection. He needs to have that connection with me. And so when we're looking at things that don't bring us joy, it's also looking at it and going, is this an opportunity for me to grow and to become a better version of myself, a more knowledgeable version of myself, a better connected human? Is it another opportunity for me to connect to another human or is this time for us to part ways? And you'll know that by 
understanding what those uncomfortable feelings are and understanding whether or not it's come up before in your life. If it keeps on coming up, don't run away from it because it's a lesson. It'll just come up again in another version. If it is something where you go, you know what, I am at peace with this and I'm not saying get away from me, you know, having really rejecting kind of thoughts, then it's also okay for things to end. And I do encourage, you know, it's the natural part of life to end things as well. But just remembering in that space that sometimes it is an opportunity to learn. Mm, Great advice. Thank you. So you mentioned your program. How can people find out more about that? Yeah, so I have a few different programs and one that's coming up um, at the end of September and it does run a few times a year is called Cashed Up. So it's a group training and in it, it's a six-week course and what we do is we do create that financial strategy for your business. So what happens is you don't have those surprise tax bills. You understand how much it's going to cost you to actually um, execute your dream and achieve those financial goals as well, of course, um, everything's sprinkled with money mindset work, um, that spiritual elements brought into it. And it's really about making sure you're feeling really confident. Of course, I never expect people to share their numbers. So it's not about getting in there and, you know, getting naked. I always think that showing your financials is like getting <laughs> naked. You don't have to get naked in public. Um, but it's just about creating that group environment where we all learn together. And I guide you through that process. And then the other thing that I have as well, which I absolutely love, is called Small Change, Big Impact, and that's my mindset and money membership. So it's a monthly membership and we meet three times a month to go through mindset, to get our bookkeeping done, as well as to review our numbers. And it's another group environment and it's just such a beautiful place because I've seen so much sharing and so much camaraderie and the energies that happen when women come together is just something that's really, really special. And yeah, you can learn more about those things via my website, which is stephaniemania.com.au. And yeah, there's lots on there and I'm always happy to talk to people as well. So if you want to just find me on Instagram, which is penny underscore school, you can just send me a DM and we can chat and see whether or not I can support you in any way. Great. And I'll put all those details in the show notes so people can just click on the links and go straight to that. Well, Stephanie, thank you very much for being on the show and for sharing so much. When I listen back to this, because when I edit, I always just take out so much more from these. So thank you for being so generous with your time and also all those hints and tips that you shared with everybody. So thank you. That's my pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. 